Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Smart guys like it, responsible guys like it. I like coaching smart and responsible. So it kind of it kind of works well that way. That's today's guest, Washington State men's basketball coach Kyle Smith. Welcome to Dan Dickow's Quarantine Series on the Scorebook Live Today podcast. As the world, particularly the world of sports, is shut down due to the coronavirus, we're ramping things up a notch here at Scorebook Live. Every weekday, Dan interviews an expert in the world of sports, from star hoopers and coaches like Steve Kerr, Jamal Crawford, and Doug Christie, to seven-time Mr. Olympia bodybuilder Phil Heath. We hope you're entertained and maybe learn a thing or two as we navigate these uncertain times. The easiest way to tune in is by subscribing. In addition to our weekly Washington High School Sports News and Conversation podcast released Thursdays, hosted by myself, Andy Bueller, fellow reporter Todd Millis, Dan is bringing you interviews just like this one delivered five days a week. Head to wherever you get your podcast, subscribe for free, and while you're there, leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. Before we get to Dan's interview today, a word from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Washington Federal. Washington Federal is a local bank and portfolio lender with more than 200 branches across eight states, more than 32,000 fee-free ATMs, 24-7 online and mobile banking with drive-up ATMs. And Washington Federal is a proud sponsor of Scorebook Live. They care deeply about high school sports and the communities that support them across the entire state of Washington. Head to WFDBank.com to learn how they can help you meet your financial goals. That's WAFDBank.com. Washington Federal, a neighbor you can count on. We hope everybody's staying safe and healthy. We're just as excited for high school sports to return as you are. Now, Dan Dicko. Corbett Live Washington today, continuing our quarantine series due to the uncertain times that we are in with the COVID-19 issues across our nation and across the world. Bring you an expert each day in the world of sports, whether it's a coach, a business leader, an executive, or a player. Today we've got Washington State head coach Kyle Smith just finished his first year uh, did a really nice job on the Palouse, looking to bring some excitement back to Pullman and Friel Court. Coach, thanks for joining us. How's everything going? Ah, thanks for having me. It's uh, going as well as expected. Uh, um, I know we're all in the same boat a little bit, but uh, trying to make the most of this time. Well, it is an interesting time, and that's for sure. And, and when you look back at some of your coaching stops, uh, St. Mary's as an assistant, Columbia as a head coach, you San Francisco and Washington State. Of those places, I look at Columbia. They've been in the heart of this um, pandemic in New York City. It was your first stop as a head coach. And I don't want to get into too much of the science that you and I probably don't know much about, but reflect on your time as a head coach at Columbia in one of the greatest cities in the world. Yeah, I mean, it was a unique experience um, just because at the time of my life, but, you know, obviously I wanted to be a head coach and didn't get my first real, this was my first offer was I said, I was 40 or not, just about turned 40 and looked at my wife and we just had, we had our second kid on the way and I and she's a, she's from Manson, Washington and she only lived there in Moraga. 
<laughs> I said, and she just said, listen, I'm not going to interfere with this. We're going, you know, and she never, and obviously a big part of that job is New York city. So just the cultural change. And I, I spent a lot of time in New York, went to school back East. So it was really exciting uh, time um, and a great, unbelievable. It's, there's only one place like that in the world. And especially kind of the hub of basketball, whether you got your um, preseason NIT, Big East tournament. So it was a really awesome environment. And then Columbia being a unique spot as far as being Ivy League. And I really like coaching uh, those kids. I just think that, uh, you know, I went to a little liberal arts college, kind of the same idea. And, you know, guys are going to do other things in life, most likely, but it could be basketball related. And um, it was a good, good place to get started and see if I could succeed and survive, really. Well, with that start, you probably had a lot of the basis of your philosophy built in as an assistant coach. Um, people describe it as nerd ball, much like money ball in, in baseball with the Oakland A's. Do you take offense to when people call it nerd ball or are you proud about that? And how did you come about your love of analytics? Yeah, no, um, that's fine. Nerd ball's fine. I, I mean, I don't, I think it's probably, uh, Really, I my relationship with coaching, I, I got in coaching with my high school coach was a big influence. And I always use the phrase, everything I need to know about coaching, I learned in high school. And that's kind of where the analytics came from. Uh, my high school coach and, and grew up in Texas and usually those guys got to coach football too. So it's really kind of stolen from football, like they grade every play. So essentially he started a system that where he had grade every play and it was a kind of the carrot and guys are doing things that he wanted to do would get the opportunity to play. So just kind of uh, sharpen the skills. And then really we're, um, and then Randy Bennett and I worked together at San Diego and uh, we always talked about, and his dad was a high school coach and junior college coach and had very similar philosophy, sim did a lot of the same stuff. And I was like, and we both kind of said, you know, I wonder if this would work. Well, and, um, we flirted around with it. And I was Randy and I was at San Diego with Brad Holland. We started doing it a little bit and had some success. And then when uh, Randy and I got back together at St. Mary's, we finally just went all in. And um, and it wasn't until our second or third year uh, that we really started doing it and just kind of built on it ever since. And it gives you something when you start a program up, kind of builds a nice framework. Um, and I think it's actually – Smart guys like it. Responsible guys like it. I like coaching smart and responsible. So it kind of it kind of works well that way. What would your recommendation be to a high school coach? Because a lot of high school coaches in the state of Washington listen to our podcast. Uh, what would your recommendation be? Because they have limited resources. They have limited time. What would a few of the the, the most important features of, of analyzing a game through analytics be for them with their resources? I mean, there's a couple ways you can do it. If you can afford to film your practices and you need like a manager up there, I think, and you can invest the time with your staff, I think you can get a lot done similar to what we do really. Um, because, and I always say like, once you get used to it, it's like if you scrimmage an hour in practice, with your staff, when we have our staff watch it, it's going to take an hour to go through it and break down the stuff and a really healthy, because everyone knows their team then. We, we're all going to be on the same page. We're all going to, you know, there's not the constant, like, who should we be playing? It's like, well, we know who should be playing. But if you can't afford to do that, um, you can still do stuff, live statting stuff that, you know, the obvious, what I'd say the 
obviously like deflection, steals, defensive side of the ball, rebounding. Um, bottom where you're getting the ball, offensive rebounding, assists, turnovers. Uh, you can create an emphasis. Obviously, we go – you go a lot more in-depth if you have film and you can start – like whatever for us, it's like, you know, keep track. We want to keep the ball out of the middle of the floor so you can't give a blow by – you can't get blown by, especially blown by middle versus blown by baseline. So there's like different point values and stuff like that. And you can kind of – what you need to emphasize with your team, you can kind of play around with it. and um, But you just – I always don't mind sharing it because – it's hard for me, been doing it for 20 years, to still believe the numbers and still like, oh, that guy's doing well <laughs> or that guy's not doing well. And that's what people understand. Like, it's, it's hard because you always have this – you're just going to have a preconceived notion of who should be playing, who should be doing this stuff. And, but your guys will buy in. You have to, you have to honor the system. That's, what, that's the challenge. I love how you have a point total system for different defensive breakdowns. I will say this. Uh, I would have had blown by and blow bys to the middle, to the baseline, get stuck on pick and rolls. Uh, I would have had all of that, but yeah, I would have tried to make it up on the up for end. other end. You made up for on the other end. I, I coached against you. So no, I, you know what? And that's like really getting the, the deep. I talked with like John Welch of the Clippers this week since we had nothing to do. And he was picking my brain and, and just kind of seeing what they're doing in the, the next level. Obviously, you have the spectrum stuff, but, like, what I need to figure out – and you, you mentioned pick-and-roll defenses, like, because that's such a big part of the deal. Like, if your guard and big are in that situation, they're going to be – your point guard is going to be in that situation a lot more. So, it needs to be, like, a rate – what percentage is good percentage of defending it the correct way? Because you're not going to do 100%. And, you know, we'll keep track of blow-bys or got screened. Well, our point guard is getting banged all the time because – He's in more screening situations. So it's like he's picking up negative points, but he needs to get some positives for doing so well. So that's like the next level is it's what on a closeout, how many guys get, you know, you're going to get beat sometimes. What's the right ratio on that? That's unfortunately we have time on our hands. So I'm starting to get in the weeds. Yeah. Well, I guess this uh, reconfirms the fact that I made the right decision to, to try to get into the broadcast world as opposed to, <laughs> the analytical point totals of different things. I'll leave that to the experts like you, but I want to go, uh, go back now to your growing up. You were a division three player who had a nice successful career. And you mentioned your high school career, or excuse me, your high school coach really had an impact on you. Did you know at a young age that you wanted to get into coaching? And when you were playing in college, uh, was your focus on preparing you to find the right opportunity to start your coaching career. Yeah, you know, I kind of, I kind of, you know, you never know exactly what you want to do, but I know in ninth grade it kind of dawned on me. I, I really, I enjoyed, for whatever reason, my coach, a really special guy, and I was, I was on the freshman B team. I mean, so I'd be sitting there watching varsity players, and kind of he let me sit next to him, and and I just kind of thought that's something I could see myself doing. And my intentions were just be a coach high school teach my mom was a teacher so I kind of thought that's what I would the path I'd head down um so I kind of knew that and uh and then I just kind of kept kept at it and but I was a player um you asked whether and I kind of had that in the back of my mind and I was going to a small liberal arts college major English literature major I'm like I remember telling my teammates I'm not exactly sure why why I'm not at Texas A&M University working on getting a teaching credential um, but it, everything has, you do everything for a reason in that. And I think that that helped me in my college coach, 
he helped me and he, we had a really, we we're number one in the country division three. So I got a, a different perspective and a different way to do that. And, and I comes in the back of my mind, but I always, and I tell guys, I say, you play as long as you can play. And there's nothing that could replicate that experience and playing. And, um, cause the other option was to be a manager or something or like being a student assistant. I was, I was considering that, and, but I wouldn't trade the playing for anything. Um, and then I usually think it really helps you as a coach to have played. But I'd say there's there's like Chris Beard I don't think ever played, and he's a hell of a coach at Texas Tech, and I don't think Roy Williams played much. And Mark Few was we played baseball yeah. or something, you know. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, doggone it, playing. <laughs> Evidently, that's what I always say like Randy and I would be at St. Mary's, like, yeah, Few didn't even play, man. <laughs> so whatever, it's like, it, but it's great. There's a lot of different paths there, and that's kind of. Um, in the back of my mind definitely was, and I work camps every summer. You know, I always said that I tell young coaches that too, like, uh, you want to get as many responsibilities in the working camps in the summer is probably not as done as much. And like Buzz Williams and I were working camps at Southern Methodist university and he was a manager like Navarro junior college and just networked a lot of guys just cause you're doing ball handling stations together and stuff like that. And just kind of, kind of grinding that way. And, and so I did that during the summer thing I work on my game and that's that's a hard road to working working 10 hours of camp then oh, we're gonna play pickup <laughs> you're exhausted so yeah that's kinda I, how I remember you know some of those days of, of working basketball camps myself as a high school and college uh student athlete trying to make a few extra dollars here or there and those are long days yeah besides kind of the network in the coaching or in the camp clinic setting how else do you recommend a young high school student athlete who might be listening to this podcast, what else can they do to separate themselves to get a head start in the coaching world? Well, I think it's a little bit like uh, the talent code. I think, you know, you need to get your 10,000 hours and I don't think you need to worry about where you're getting them from. And I think I always tell guys, especially college, say take on as much responsibilities as you can. And that's how you're going to grow and learn. Don't worry about the level. Don't, you're not going to get paid much no matter where you go. So, I, mean, I think almost every coach I've worked with, they've all had to start as a GA or even volunteer. Um, and, and I always recommend guys, and it's funny because I didn't do it, but I was like, if you can start, because there's Division three programs that need help. Or junior college, like if you're 23, coaching's coaching. Um, and if you can get on the floor and teach and coach, get good at it or wherever. If you, and I do think, you know, we talk about the numbers and nerdball that, Coaching's coaching is about relationships and knowing you got to know people. You got to have emotional intelligence. You have to understand what makes them tick and, and everyone's a little different. And I don't know you got to do it via experience. You got to do it with experience and get experience in that. And the other part's recruiting if you're going to college or so high school, it's not as much recruiting, although there's some, <laughs> but it's about teaching and, and, and it's a great age to, you know, and I think there's different, like, NBA is different than college and college, high school is different than college because you're kind of where they're at and they're, you know, you're 14 to 17 year olds are a lot different than 18 to 22 and, and moving on. So, but I just think anything you're doing, whatever, if you were being a, a journalist, um, you know, you'd want to be blogging stuff. And, you know, even if you don't have an audience, you got to work on your craft. And I think it's the same idea. Just get as much experience. Don't worry about the level. Don't worry about more responsibilities better. I love that answer. Cause I, I subscribe to that same philosophy of 10,000 hours. You got to master something and you don't yep. master it until you spend a lot of time digging in uh, with the details and then really improving your craft. So 
that's those are great nuggets right there. Last was, question before I let go you go. No problem. Uh, there's been some up and down years ever since Tony Bennett left Washington State. I've called a number of games for Pac-12 Network and being living on the eastern side of the state, I, I, I've also seen them from a distance, um, you know, kind of as a, as a fan. I really like the way that your team played this year. You improved from start of the season to end of the season. You had a connected group. You guys were bought in defensively, offensively. I think you did a lot of what you talked about uh, of finding opportunities um, that, that give you an advantage. What's your true vision for Washington State basketball? I think it's it's a big picture. It's like I did, like I said, these 18, 22-year-olds, I say, like, we work on two frameworks. The first one's a big picture. What's the next 40 years going to look like? And so trying to prioritize these guys, and I don't apologize for it, Faith, family, team, academics. And that's what we're going to concentrate. Tell the parents that while you're here. And, and guys that kind of see that, like, this is an, uh, a vehicle to that, to, to this big picture. And then the day-to-day is just having a great attitude, great work ethic, and then pride in the Washington State, I think, in general. I think we got to have guys that want to be there. They're in it for uh, to build the program, and as simple as that. And if we sell it as – and we've been fortunate, and my biggest thing is getting guys that we're going to retain. And we've had, thus far, we had one guy that's um, pursuing other opportunities. But, you know, I think it's probably the right decision for him. And we had a good relationship. Just he wants to play, and I, I respect that. But I think that's what Washington State needs is guys invest in the program, stay in there. We're a unique spot. I call it the landlocked island. We're kind of – we are remote. But it's, the community is awesome. And you got to sell that and celebrate it and be invested in it. And that'll – as far as the basketball goes, we'll figure that out if, as long as we have guys that are here but just working. And this, this spring with the quarantine that and probably leads in the summer, I think that's an area where – that's a time where we usually – I feel like we get a leg up on some people because that's where we build those relationships. It's not about – it's not as much about nerd ball then as it is – it will get to nerd ball, but it's about investing in each other, investing in the team. Well, Coach, I really appreciate the time. Uh, I'm sure – You've got a lot of family time that you're trying to catch up on because during the season you've got recruiting, you've got breaking down film, you got practices, you got travel, you got games. So um, I'll let you get going and enjoy that. But thank you so much for joining us today. No, I appreciate it, Dan. And, and actually, I think all coaches, one takeaway is like, we'll, we'll, if you stay in coaching, you won't get this opportunity to spend this much time with your family. And it's it's actually been it's it's great. So I know how the other half lives now, or most people. So I appreciate it. And uh, look, do anything, anytime for you. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks again for the Scoreboard Live Washington Today podcast. I'm Dan Dickow. That's Washington State head coach Kyle Smith. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.